If you're around the study of God's Word at McGregor very much, you're going to hear us make frequent reference to the glory of God. But it occurs to me it's been a while since we slowed down and actually defined that term. We'll take a look at the glory of God this episode. I'm Pastor Russell Howard, and this is Beyond the Notes. Okay, if you look up the idea of the glory of God in Bible dictionaries or web resources, you're going to get all kinds of definitions. Some of them are big and long and complicated. And one of the things that I have found useful over the years is to is to refine things and, and define things in, in as sort of few words as possible to get to the essence of the thing. So what, in a, in a short and simple way... Not academically defensible, but in a short and simple way, what is the glory of God? The glory of God, in my view, is God's revelation of himself to his creation. That is, as God unfolds himself and demonstrates, reveals, describes himself to his creation, he is He is glorifying himself. The word in the New Testament that stands behind the word glory, the Greek word, is the word doxa. It has a dual definition um, apart from theological use. And the primary definition actually means uh, the judgment or how one feels about a thing. And in the more theological sense or in 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 the equally prevalent sense, pardon me, it means, it means the idea of shining like a light. So if you, if you combine those two, it is, it is the shining of a bright light upon something so that one can see it accurately. Uh, I turned 60 recently, and I don't mind that. I feel like the years are, uh, are what they are, and I don't have any issues at all with my age. But um, I confess I'm one of those who turns his phone flashlight on sometimes in restaurants so that I can see the menu more clearly. And young people giggle at us for doing that. But your eyes are aging too, young friends, and one day that'll be you. I'm just glad that we live in a world now where everybody always has a flashlight because we have our cell phones with us. I need the bright light of my cell phone LED to clearly see the menu as it is. And that's sort of a a close analogy to what God is doing. When God glorifies himself, he he is ramping up his revelation of himself so that he can be clearly seen in in all of, of who he is. When you think about it for a moment, God, who has existed for eternity, thus he already had existed forever before he even created. The pre-creation God was eternal. So why create? It's not as though he was lacking anything in his character or essence. He's an all-inclusive, all-sufficient God. But if he can be said to have lacked anything before creation, and I know I'm using words carefully and informally, I don't mean that he lacked anything in his character or his essence, but if there was something that he did not have that creation gave him, in a sense, and I'm using the word casually, 
but not inaccurately, creation gave him an audience. Creation gave him a forum in which he could reveal himself. Creation gave him an outlet for his glory. So the glory of God is his revelation of himself to his creation. The Word of God says several things. First, one of the verses that I love that talks about the prominence of God's glory is Psalm 5711, where the psalmist cries out, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. What the psalmist is praying for is, God, reveal yourself as you are over all the earth. Uh, there, are, there are similar sentiments in other places. Uh, Isaiah 6.3 uh, the, uh, the angels around the throne of God in that, that throne room scene that is Isaiah 6, the angels call out to one another as they, as they fly about the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And of course, we further see his glory in creation in space. Over the last couple of weeks, being a being a kid who grew up on the northeast coast of Florida during the Apollo era, and I was in, in college when all the space shuttle stuff was first starting, uh, I, I always have a lot of interest in the space program. And I followed a little bit of the story of the Webb Telescope, the successor to Hubble that is just orders of magnitude more powerful that is right now in the, in the slow process of, of deploying itself out there to allow us to look even more deeply into God's created universe than we've ever been able to look before. And I have no idea what we'll see or what we'll find, but I know this, Psalm 19, 1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. It's really kind of cool for the Christian to think about things like astronomy because the further we look, the more we see, the, the deeper and the more diverse and incredible and un unexpected and surprising things that we find in the, in the infinite reach of an infinite God's infinite universe, it all comes together to say something about the magnificence and the character and the imagination and the creativity and the awesome power of the living God who did all of that to demonstrate the reality of who he is for us. That's what glory is. And of course, from the grand cosmic and worldwide scale down to the intimate scale of the doings of our life, God's glory, God's character is also revealed in his activities in the day-to-day. -day. This last Lord's Day, when we uh, came together to John chapter 11, the uh, sort of prompt for this episode of Beyond the Notes is when uh, Jesus told his disciples that the illness of Lazarus, the, the trial that Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were going through, and by extension, the, the funeral toward which Jesus and his disciples would, would soon be going. Describing Lazarus's illness, Jesus said, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That is, our, our trials, and more broadly, the circumstances of our lives, which quite often include trials, are, are there for us as we pass through them to come to more and more understand God as He is 
which is what the glory of God is. Certainly, we think of the glory of God as this, this bright, shining, manifestational demonstration, and that is a part of it. That is God showing himself as he is. But God is also showing himself as he is when he is faithful to us through a trial or when he blesses us with a, with a run of several days that aren't a trial and, and the sun is shining and the birds are singing and the uh, car is cranking when it's supposed to and the roof is not leaking. That is for the glory of God. But so is the cancer diagnosis. So is the check that bounces. So is the argument you wish you could avoid but can't. Those are for the glory of God as well because all of them are there for us to more thoroughly understand the character and attributes and majesty of the God whom we serve. Obviously, his glory is seen very, very plainly in his salvation of sinners. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4, 5, and 6 say, uh, he's speaking about people who are, who are not responding to the gospel in verse 4, 2 Corinthians 4, picking it up in verse 4. In their case, that is in the case of those who are not being saved, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ultimate expression of God's glory, God's revelation of himself to his creation, and that shows up in its most fully realized form in the demonstration of his love and his grace and his mercy when he saves a sinner. But it's also true, and this is a difficult thing, but it's a true thing, that God is glorified even in uh, the condemnation of the lost. Because though it is true that God's character is, is marked by his love and his grace and his compassion and his mercy, God's character also includes his holiness and his, um, his hatred for sin and his obligation to his own character to punish those who sin stands unforgiven. Uh, the word of God says in Romans 9, verse 22, what if God desiring to show his wrath and make known his power, and remember the glory of God is God's revelation of himself, and here including his wrath and his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Verse 23 continues, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy. So both the revelation of his grace and his mercy in the salvation of souls and the revelation of his wrath and power in the condemnation of the unredeemed are all consistent with his glory. What do we do with that? Well, for those of us who know him, we can be profoundly grateful that we serve a God who wants to be known, who has chosen not to cloak himself in inaccessible mystery, but instead to, uh, to come personally and make himself a face-to-face -face God in the person of Jesus Christ 
and the God who dwells with us, even to this day in the person of God, the Holy Spirit, uh, a God we can know and a God by whom we can be known. So be thankful for God who's not at arm's length. Be thankful that we serve a God who wants to be known and be diligent in telling people about Jesus because he will be glorified in the salvation of those who come to know him and in the condemnation of those who don't. Good, good reason among many others to tell your friends about Jesus. Well, Happy New Year to you. It's good to be back. Uh, it's good to be back here on Beyond the Notes, and I look forward to coming back to you, uh, I or whoever else is teaching every week, right at this same time, right in this same place, on Beyond the Notes.